speaker. You guys turn my mic on, please. Oh, sorry, bad. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Never a day without challenges. Amen? Amen. Those are good things. I love those kids. They're amazing. Oh, uh, absolutely. My daughter has an amazing voice. Yes. Oh, yes. Although they're crying. <laughs> now, here's the secret because they're not in the room. All the youth are gone. When we went to the program, my son Justice was, he had a tear in his eye when she sang that song. So that's incredible. He, loves he, might, he might refuse it, but he loves his little sister. Amen. So it's Palm Sunday. And my palm is gone. It's all right. You guys know what day it is. I don't need to wave it. You know. But I heard a story about a, a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday. So this may relate to some people in this room. And so he stayed home from church with his mom. And his father returned home from church, and he was holding a palm branch. And a little boy was curious, so he asked his dad, Dad, why do you have that palm branch? And he said, well, Jesus, you see, when Jesus came to town, everybody waved palm branches to honor him. And so we got palm branches today, and the little boy said, oh, shucks, on the, the one Sunday I miss is the day Jesus shows up. Aww. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so, you won't be going home with palm branches today, I apologize. Maybe next Sunday you'll have one. We'll see yeah, if they show up. I, anyway, it's all cute. It's all fun. I, I love I love this season. Like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's a great season uh, for us to remember what Jesus did for us. Amazing. You know, no matter what happens on this side of eternity, I know where my where my future is. I know where eternity is going to be. So I just have a, I prepared something short, which was great because Carrie's been in the hospital most of the week, and uh, actually that's given me a lot of time to study because <laughs> I've been there uh, studying and reading and praying and singing and fasting and all those things that a husband does when someone they care about deeply is is sick and in the hospital. You know, so I've been able to spend a lot of time with the Lord. And whatever whatever God's plan is through this, we just say yes, Lord. We just say yes. Yes to your plan. We don't understand it. And honestly, I don't like it. We don't have to like God's plan. It's still God's plan. Amen. And on the other side of this plan, I have to believe that something incredible is going to come about. Amen. Amen. And, and so people were like, why, why aren't you there? Why are you here? And you know, Pastor Stu called me the other day and he said, hey, if you need me to step up for Palm Sunday, I'll prepare a sermon. And I said, you know, this is when she was home. She came home Wednesday. I said, no, she's coming home. And, and I've already been working on a sermon. So, you know, if she can't make it to church, at least I know she's at home. But we didn't go back till Friday. And we find, didn't even find out till surgery until yesterday late. So, so God had a plan. He wanted me here. Uh, my wife is in good hands. And somebody from the church is with her right now uh, before she goes into surgery. So she has a face there. And my mom's thinking about flying out to help us for a little while. But you guys have been fabulous. So many people have, have offered to help and have stepped up and helped. Even when I said no, you helped anyway. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and I know I appreciate that because I, I'm a man and I don't need help. So, so far from the truth, I, I need help. I need my family to be around us and to hold us up right now. Um, so, so I'm a little emotional today because my wife's there and I'm here. I apologize, the screen is terrible. There's one of two things going on. Uh, either our connection that sends the signal to the PowerPoint, because the, the TV up here looks the same, so, uh, and I'm 
thinking that's the problem. But the projector is also a little dark. So we have a new projector coming. It should be here today or tomorrow. We'll have it up by Easter. It's a lot brighter, so we don't have to turn the lights off completely so you can see the screen. It's just the next step that we need to do. Uh, but we'll, we'll address that, too. If I have to buy a new power signal or just check that one, maybe, the, maybe it's not plugged in and it's not sending the power. Uh, but I apologize. Hopefully you can read that enough to get me through today. But I want to talk to you today about what the response is. You know, Jesus uh, rode into town on a donkey 2,000 years ago into Jerusalem. And, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about, about what that response is when Jesus comes to town, what our responses are, what the responses were on that day, and what they should be uh, for us today. And so I just want to get into this. I don't have a lot of time, and, and I don't have a lot of message. But, but I think what I have to say, I believe, is, is pertinent to the church today. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. I thank you that I know that my wife is cared for and that I can concentrate on what's going on here this morning. Uh, for whatever reason, you wanted me here today, and I'm thankful that I got to be a part of what the children do and did and watch my daughter sing and, and, and do all these great things with the family that you have given, Pastor Terry and I, our extended family. Uh, we love them. Now anoint my mouth, Lord. Concentrate my thoughts here. Uh, there's not much I can do by thinking about her there. But there's much I can do here if I can focus on you, focus on your Holy Spirit, and allow you to have your way this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. <laughs> so the first thing I want to say right out the gate, uh, if you have your hand out, the, the first response of there is obedience. And I want to read to you in Matthew chapter 21. We're going to stay pretty much there. I'll jump around a little bit. You know I like to do that. Uh, but our, our main text is out of Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Right now I want to start with 1 through 7. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethay, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And so, I love this story, I love this season. It, it, of all the things for our Messiah, the Savior of the world, to be to be brought into town on, it's in a donkey. Probably one of the, the, the lowliest creatures that you could possibly ride is a donkey. They even brought a colt, but they rode in on a donkey. And I think that's pretty uh, amazing to think about, that our Savior would humble himself like that. The Bible says all over, over and over again that he humbled himself uh, for us. And... And so the first thing I want you to see is, is there, this is, we're talking about obedience, remember, the first point is obedience, but this is like a predicted obedience. See, Jesus knew that he was going to be coming to town, and so he sent two disciples ahead of himself to prepare the way and, and gather the things that he needed, and why did he do it? Because the Bible told him, the Bible told him that there were things that were going to take place, that was the prophecy that we talked about, it was prophesied 500 years before, you see it right here in Zechariah. Chapter 9, verse 9. Same scripture we just read was written 500 years before this actually took place. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of the donkey. 
Now, the phrase daughter of Zion is referring to uh, the loving, caring, and patient relationship that God has with his chosen people. That's what that means. It's a reference to Jerusalem and then to the people of Israel. And it, and it kind of signifies that Jesus is thinking about his people, that, that he loves them, that he cares about them, and that he's patient with them. Aren't you glad Jesus is patient with us? Yes. Because <laughs> I'm not very patient. Can I be honest today? I am not the most patient person in the room. I'll guarantee you that. But Jesus is. He is a patient man. And did you know that we are patiently awaiting a second coming of Jesus Christ that was predicted in the Old Testament? We talked about this some last week. If you missed that sermon, go ahead and get on Facebook and listen to that. We talked a lot about the second coming of Christ last week. And it's predicted all throughout the word of God, of Jesus' second coming. But this time, he won't be riding on a donkey. He's going to be riding on a white stallion. Amen? And he's going to come in power. In that case, he, went, he came lowly and humble and meek, knowing that his fate was going to be what it was. This time, when he comes riding on that white horse, it's to take control and to take charge. And we just read about Mount Olives, and we talked about that last week as well. You need to be staying. You need to be tracking with us. We're we're on we're on a we're on a trajectory here at Grapevine Fellowship. We're going somewhere. Amen. Amen. There's another. Can I get a witness? Amen. There's another predicted obedience that the Bible says that on that day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Every one of us, everyone out there on the street that that spits on you and calls you whatever the kind of language they want to use. When you try to share Jesus with them, guess what? There is a day that their knee will bow and their tongue will confess that he is Lord. And they're not going to have all this mojo and, and toughness and puffiness. They will bow. And that's pretty important for us today. Aren't you glad we're bowing on this side? Yes. That we willingly bow our knee to him? That we willingly give our lives to him? We're willing to, to second point, they're thinking, they just leave me again. I love this man. <laughs> Willful obedience. There's got to be a willingness. You have to, you have to have a desire. You have to walk in this place of obedience. The Bible says this in, in, in Matthew that we just read. It said that disciples went. Do you realize what a powerful statement that is? They went. How many times have we been called to go and we have not? How many times have we been asked by our Lord to do something and we have not? How many times have we been asked by the church or by our family or by friends or to do something and sometimes we just haven't because of our, our own agenda? You know, the, the greatest commission is two, a two-letter a two word, go. God said, you're going to go and you're going to make disciples. That looks so different to everybody. What is making, well, that's for pastors to make disciples. No, no, it's not. No, you, you go and you witness. You tell people your testimony. You share the verses that you know. You, you share the things that God has put in your heart that he has spoken to you about. The things that have changed your life. That, living your life out in front of somebody, that's going, people. We, we think it's this huge call and i got to pack up my bags and i got to go to the other side of the world. No, it's not. Your life should be a life of go. Your, life, your lifestyle should be a life of go. Make disciples. Be a representative of Jesus. Be willing. Be obedient to do these things. You remember the story of Jonah? <laughs> he was called to go, and he didn't. 
And much less did he do what he was supposed to do even after he finally decided to go. And he really didn't go willingly. Can I tell you? God is preparing a fish just your size. <laughs> if you're not obedient, he will. Listen, listen, loved ones. He will do whatever it takes to capture our attention. Amen. He will do whatever it takes. He will allow us to walk through things. And sometimes it's not because we're turning our face to him. Listen to me now. I'm going to move away from my nose because I just felt like this was a word from the Lord. It's not because we're turning our face. I think most of us in this room are willing, but sometimes we just don't hear. We don't hear the change, the turn of the corner. Remember we talked about the gates and we had to make that, that turn. Sometimes God is trying to do something different in our lives. So we have to be willing to go wherever that is. Moving from California to Nevada. Whatever it is. If it, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's doing what God says he wants you to do. Whenever I walk through a trial, like we're walking through right now, I listen real carefully. I'm listening to the Lord. Because there, there is a purpose and a plan for what we're walking through. Listen. I do not give the devil enough credit to think, oh, he's doing all this. No, no, I'm a child of the Most High God. Amen. He cannot do anything to me without God's approval. And so whatever it is that we're walking through right now, God is trying to, trying to do something or say something. So I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive, hypersensitive to the needs of the hospital staff, the doctors, whatever, whoever is around me. I'm hypersensitive to that, and I'm hypersensitive to the voice of God. God, if you're trying to say something, I don't think he's moving me from grapevine. He just got me here, amen? I, I guess that's not what it is. But he might be trying to change the direction of our church, our ministry, my family. I don't know what he's doing. All I know is that I got a family that loves him, and whatever God wants to do in our lives, I'm willing to say, Here I am, Lord. Amen. Amen. So the disciples, they went and they did as Jesus asked them to do. I, I wish that would be said of us today. I wish, I wish that could be said of us today, and I think it is for many of us that we do what Jesus asks us to do, that we step up to the plate when we're called upon by our Lord. The Bible says this that we're not to be hearers only, but be doers. It also says that to obey is better to sacrifice. It also says that we should wait. Wait on the Lord. Waiting is themed in the Bible 106 times. Here we are to that willful obedience, patience, waiting on God. The Bible also says that we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. The Bible also says that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Amen? The Bible also says in Romans chapter 5 that, that through one man disobedience came, but through one man obedience. The Bible has a lot to say about being obedient and, and, and following the will of the Lord. And, and we need to be in a place in our Christian lives and our walk with Him that, whatever, Lord. Is that your heart this morning? Whatever, Lord. I'm willing. Some of us don't want to pray that because we know that it means it means something. Sometimes it means that there's going to be some refining. As a matter of fact, most of the time. When you say, here am I, Lord, use me for your plan and purpose, not my own, there's probably going to be a little refining going on because we are not quite ready for the assignment. Otherwise, we'd already be there. And when he's ready to move on to the next assignment, guess what? There's more refining. I spent the last year of my life fasting more than I've ever fasted in my life, and I didn't know why. Before, we, before this call came to us, I was fasting all the time, and people people that were close to me, my pastor, they want to invite me to lunch. You know, I, I don't confide that to everybody, but sometimes you just say, um, I'm just, why are you fasting? I don't know. 
I really don't. I just know that God wants me to fast. I'm in a season of, of prayer for prayer and fasting because there's preparation happening in my heart. What have you read in God's Word? What have you heard preached or been taught about our Lord that you've been called to do that you're not doing? Obedience. Our response is obedience when Jesus comes to Christ. Number two, exaltation. Matthew 21, verses 8 and 9. It says, that a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees, they were palm branches, and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Exaltation is making a fuss. It is making a big deal. Exalting our Lord, it, it's, it's a big deal. And, and every Sunday and every Wednesday, whenever we gather in this place, whenever you come into the presence of the Lord, if it's at home, it should be a big deal. You should be making a fuss about coming to the house of God. Amen. Come on. Go ahead, John. You're shouting me down now, but when I'm trying to get you into worship, I know I'm not your worship leader. I know I don't got the greatest voice, but that's not the point. Now, is it? We're worshiping him, and we're making the fuss about him, not Pastor Rob. I don't want the job. I love worship. I make a pretty good backup vocalist. I get crazy. I can have fun. I don't want to leave this stuff. Amen? Can I get an amen now? Amen. That's what I thought. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> have you ever cried out for Jesus? Have you ever cried out to Jesus? Maybe it was because you're, you're, you're in the middle of a painful situation, or, or maybe it's because you were in the middle of, of a crisis, or maybe it's because you were mad. Can I be honest with you? I've been crying out to God all week on all three of those points. I've been a little bit mad, not at God, but mad. Why do we have to walk through this? I'm God's favorite. I don't deserve this, Teresa. <laughs> You need to fix my tab. <laughs> and I've been crying out with the pain and, and praying, praising God and, and seeking His face. And, and, but have you ever cried out just to praise Him? God, I love you. I love you in spite of it. And that's where we should live, family. We should, God, whatever it. It doesn't matter, Lord. I mean, it matters. It, it, it breaks my heart that my wife is in the hospital. It matters so much. But, but God, that's not what, what causes me to praise you. That's what not. That's not what makes me want to make a big fuss about you or make a little noise. You're Jesus. And I know that there's a day coming we're going to spend eternity with you. And so whatever happens on this side of eternity, it really, really it pales in comparison Amen. to eternity. Amen. And that's where I've been this week. And the, cry cried, the crowd cried out, they said, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the height. You know Hosanna, it means save now. But, 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 it, but with it carries this tone of, of praise and adoration and joy. It's not, save now, Lord. It's not, it's not this fear and trembling. It's just, save us now, Lord. We love you. We, we adore you. We, we worship you. Sometimes we think adoration is fear or trembling. We're not the ones that are going to tremble, family. Unless you don't know Jesus, there'll be a little trembling going on. But those of us that know Jesus, there is not going to be any trembling. There's going to be a, a Holy Ghost party, like Kurt Franklin was saying. Amen. Jesus comes to town, people shout, say now. Amen? Amen. Save us, Lord. Number three, there's always questions. There's always going to be questions. Look at verses 10 and 11, Matthew 21. When he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Listen, the first thing I want you to see here is the Bible says that a city was moved. The city was rocked. People want to know what's going on. When somebody like Jesus shows up in a town, people start thinking, what's happening? What is going on in here? And there's an interesting note on, on the word moved used in this passage. It, it, there's other translations that says it stirred up. They use the, the, the term stirred up. And it actually just, it has the same description as an earthquake. So, so, so the people were so moved. I mean, listen, does Jesus know how to make an entrance or not? Amen. The people were so moved, so stirred up that the ground shook. You know, there's going to be a shaking coming. We talked about this last week on the Mount of Olives. Right here in the same location when Jesus touches down. There's going to be an earthquake. There's going to be some people moved. Amen. There's going to be a little bit of motivation. I don't think people really wanted to know what was going on, but I think they wanted to know who was going on. 
who is this Jesus of what the question was. People began to talk. That's your, that's your bullet point there. Did you notice who asked the questions and who answered the questions? The whole city asked the question, who is this? And the Bible said the multitude answered, this is Jesus. Look, at everybody was getting involved in this. It, it was a group participation. There was a group that said, who is this? And there was a whole group of people that said, this is Jesus. We've been talking, this is the same message we've been we've been reverberating through the book of Nehemiah is getting involved and, 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 and joining in the call and getting involved with the work of going on. And the final answer to the question, who is this, is this is Jesus. Amen. His name is Jesus. Was that answer enough? Is that answer enough? It should be, huh? It doesn't appear, though, doesn't appear to be enough for this crowd because... The same crowd who's who's crying out Hosanna on Sunday is crying out crucify him on Friday. See, there was a there was a disconnect between what people heard about Jesus and, and said they knew about Jesus and believing who Jesus really is. The question for us today is this answer enough for you and I? Do we know who the Jesus is that I'm preaching about this morning? Do we know him as our Savior and our Lord? Do we think of him as a prophet or a teacher or just a good man? Or do we know him as the coming Messiah? Amen? The one who has already come, John. He's already come and he's made a way. And there's only one way to heaven and it's through him. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. There is no other way. And on this Palm Sunday, I, I want to remind us that Jesus is the answer. He, he is the coming Messiah who is coming again to take away the sins of the world. He's already done it, but guess what? We still live in this place. We're not of the world anymore, but we're still here, amen? amen. We're still walking around in the muckety-muck. Jesus is the answer. But some of the people said he's the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus was defined by a crowd, but they didn't know him. They didn't know him like we know him. They didn't really understand what his mission was. When he didn't overthrow Rome that day, even the ones that believed had a hard time with what was going on here. They were the same ones who would later deny him three times, Peter. They were the, some of the same ones who said they loved him, that said crucify him, give us Barabbas. Some of the same people who were praising God on Sunday were crucifying him on Friday. I don't want that to be us, church. I don't want us to praise God in this building and then we go out there cursing. When we're hanging around with our friends and, and the people we shouldn't be hanging around with, oh, come on, somebody, am I meddling now? I'm your pastor. I have a right to do that. We're hanging around with those folks. Oh, yeah, yeah. I go to church, but only because my wife makes me. Oh, yeah. I go to church because I've just been raised that way. No, come on now. We don't go to church for that reason. If you're here for that reason, then get saved today. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's the wrong motivation. Your heart's in the wrong place. What's our response when people ask us, who is this? Peter was asked. Huh? He said, Simon, Peter, who do people say that I am? He said, you are the son of God. Is that our response to him this morning? Do we have evidence? Do we 
friends and family. One thing this trial has done for me is given me this fresh understanding that time is too short. I made a decision this week that I can't be your friend and your pastor. I want to be your friend and I want to love you. I want to break bread with you. We're going to do all those things. But when it comes down to, to pastoring this church and instructing you and correcting you and being with you and praying with you and helping you, I'm going to be your pastor first. And I'm not going to turn the cheek and let, let you continue in, in the ways that I see in your life. I want your permission. I'm looking for permission to be your pastor. Listen, it's not like I'm going to rebuke you. That's not how I operate. I let the Lord rebuke. If I see something, I'm just going to come and say, hey, Brother Dave, can we talk? I love you too much to see you struggling like this. This doesn't change our relationship. It doesn't change the fact that I love you as a brother, Steve. I love spending time with you. It doesn't change any of that. And if I can't have that role in your life, then we're marking up the wrong tree. That's one thing it showed me. I'm not going to go there. I'll, I'll share this with you maybe next time. A scripture that the Lord put in my heart that is really just pushing me. Let me work it out, and I'll break it. But are we one of the multitude that says this is Jesus? Or are we asking who is it? Do you still have, as a Christian, listen, family, as a Christian, do you still ask yourself who is? What, what does he mean to me? What, what, what does it do? What, what is my relationship? Why does it matter? If those are questions that are looming in your heart, that, man, I, I want to encourage you to sell out for him. You should say, I know he's Jesus. And my life is not my own anymore. It belongs to him. Whatever that means. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. You just have to know the one that has the answers. Yeah, Father. <laughs> Amen. Pastor of a church of people who love you and make mistakes amen. and love you. Amen. And that's us, amen. Father, as a as we think about the events that have unfolded signs that we see ahead of us by the blood moons and all these wonderful things and promises that we get to see and be a part of today. Our question today is, is our heart ready? Are we ready for the return of Jesus? First of all, is our life in shape and have we spoken to those that we love who may not know we love somebody and we're not sharing Jesus with them, then that's not what it's all about. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts.
pray that this week, this new week, would be the best week we've ever had. That you would open doors for us. Just spill your love into our lives, God, that we would draw close to you and be part of what you're doing. That we would say yes, that we would be obedient, willing to the call in our lives. And that's to go. Whatever level that is, Whatever that means to each one of us individually, we embrace that. Father, if there's someone here this morning that is struggling with their walk with you, I'm praying for them. And I'm asking you to reveal yourself, your true identity. Not who people say that you are, but who you are in you. Amen. Amen. Oh, bless you. I think we got donuts. Huh? Oh, I'm sweating. Yeah, they got that big Thank <laughs> you. 